Bienvenidos a la podcast de Glacially Musical. Con esta noche tenemos el, uh, el tocador del, de la guitarra abasadora, Jorge, de la banda mexicana de Cancún, Jet Jaguar. How are you doing tonight? Hola, Nick. Muchas gracias. <laughs> uh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me tonight. And uh, let's go. Let's do it. Well, um, so... You know, welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast, the most insulting show in the business because I'm not good at this. Uh, apologize. I, I, I thank you very much for taking some time and doing this in English, which I know isn't your native language, and I know that's got to be hard. So, as I said before, um, if you need anything, I can do it in Spanish, probably. Um, but let's. I, I always like to start off with where you're from. I know you're from Cancun, Mexico. And I've never really been to Cancun. I've been to Playa del Carmen. I've been to uh, Guadalajara, uh, not Guadalajara. Um, yeah, Guadalajara, um, Puerto Vallarta. So tell, tell us about Cancun. Yeah, well, uh, well, the band was formed here in Cancun back in 2014. Uh, we were, I think, 16, 17 years old at the time. Um, Really, you know, Cancun is worldwide famous because of its beaches and, you know, all the tourism that we receive. Um, but I, I don't think that it's a hot spot for metal bands, you know, but somehow we managed to um, meet each other and form the band. And Cancun, it's a, it's a young city. Uh, I think last year was the 50th anniversary of the city. So no, I, it's, didn't, uh, I didn't know it was that young. Yeah, it's pretty young, and actually, it it, it started as a project from the government. Uh, it was clear from day one that they wanted the city to be a tourism hotspot, you know. So yeah, it's a pretty young city, so that's why I I think that it's not um, the circumstances are not ideal for metal bands to grow there, you know. But somehow Jawar came from Cancun. <laughs> That uh, the a big the biggest part of probably the most the biggest city for extreme metal in the United States is from Tampa, Tampa, Florida, and it's the same kind of thing. It's a tourism hotspot. That's their you know that's their main industry, but yet that's where Tampa Bay death metal came from. So it's and then you've got uh, Bay Area thrash, which. The, the Bay Area is, in my opinion, probably the most wonderful place to be in the entire United States in terms of climate and in terms of, I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. So the idea that everybody was so angry there is kind of, is kind of surprising. Yeah, because, uh, you know, if you think of the, maybe the Bay Area and, and well, a little bit uh, to the south, in, to Los Angeles, I think you think more of uh, bands like Motley Crue or Van Halen, you know, all of the hair metal scene of the 80s. But well, yeah, it's a, yeah. Hair metal really, really fits with the city of Los Angeles and definitely the Sunset Strip. That, that was a match made in heaven because especially in the 80s in America, it, the 80s in America was, was a very strange time. If, if I'm being honest, if, from what I remember, I, wasn't that old during the 80s but I, I i was there that's really cool um because all of these bands really inspired us you know in the first place even though 
we're not even from your country or uh, we did, we weren't even alive at the <laughs> 80s you know i will I, i'm i was born in uh, 97 you know so i wasn't even born wow Yet, I, feel, uh, i feel a little old i feel a little old <laughs> but but you got to experience i mean what seemed to be those wonderful years for the for the general uh for the for the metal general in general you know That's one of the really cool things about hard rock and heavy metal, I think, is everybody goes back to, to where it started. Like, what's your favorite Black Sabbath album? Uh, Master of Reality. See, you have a favorite Black Sabbath album. What's your favorite Iron Maiden album? Power Slave. <laughs> See, you're, you're talking about albums that came out 25 years before you were born and you still know them. And, you know, what's your favorite album from the 90s? I'm sure you've got those, too. From the 90s, um, I don't know. I think maybe uh, Sound of Perseverance by Death. I really like that album. I am and one actually, people, I don't like Death. I'm one of the few people that doesn't no? like Death. Oh, that's, that's a shame. I think, they're, they're, I think they're a great band, you know. I, I think I would like them a lot more if I had... I mean, I don't hate them. I just... I think I would like them a lot more if I had gotten into them when they were new. Kind of like the yeah. same reason why I'm not really into the Rolling Stones and why I'm not really into Anthrax and bands like that. It's, I think that was somebody for, for me, I had to, I, I had to get in a lot sooner because going back and listening to them, I would much rather listen to Deicide or Morbid Angel or Obituary than Death. And Cannibal Corpse too, of course. Yeah, I, I, I can I can understand that because uh, I think you know bands like the Rolling Stones, when uh, you know in the '60s there were maybe like the most uh, they were innovating, you know. Right. But we weren't there to experience it. So exactly, that's exactly it. They were innovating. They were on the new the, the vanguard, the new wave of what was happening but they never really moved significantly past that. So now when I listen to them, they're, they sound like one of a hundred, but they're yeah. not. They were one of the first ones to do that. But I, it, reputation doesn't matter as much as what I hear. Yeah, yeah, I, I can understand that. That happens to me when I listen to ACDC, you know? ACDC? Although... Although I love the the Bon Scott era. <laughs> but, the the thing yeah. about ACDC, man, they have not put out an album. Every album they put, they've put out since 1980 has been worse than the one they put out before it. Yeah, totally. I mean, granted, Back in Black was a pretty high bar. That was a great album. But when... I listen to their later stuff like Stiff Upper Lip and Ball Breaker and whatever, Black Ice. It wasn't one called Black Ice, I think. Yeah. All, all those albums to me sound like a band trying to sound like ACDC. Uh, I think that it's really hard to top Back in Black, you know? How can you top Back in Black? I agree. But, uh, I agree. But I think that, uh, well... If I was in ACDC at the time, I probably would have said, 
we can we can do another back in black we gotta try something else something new you know well, and that's what they did they they continually tried to make back in black over and over and over and yeah that was the problem i think i i agree and you bring up when you bring up the bon scott era the bon scott records weren't like that they all sounded different and unique and they don't do that anymore so it's yeah it you know if they come to town i'll try to go see them because they put on a great show and i'll go to the bathroom when they play any new stuff i i wish i was joking but i'm not and i'll definitely go to the bathroom during the drum solo because i hate drum solos <laughs> yeah i get what you say but i wish i i, I i've never seen them live so i saw them i once. know I saw them once on, oh, I think it was the Ball Breaker Tour uh, back in 1995. They they opened up with the song Back in Black, and I think they played two songs off the new one, and they just rocked out to all the classic songs. They're just, it, I don't know if they're still this way because I haven't looked, but they were just one of those bands that's like, hey, here's a couple new ones. Now we're going to play all the ones you like. <laughs> Yeah, I think that uh, they got to that point in their career in which you got to see them live because, uh, you know, that that's the, the whole ACDs experience, I think. I, I saw Aerosmith in 2011 in Mexico how, City. How was it? Was it good? Yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, obviously, they played all of the classics. And I don't even think they were promoting an album they didn't uh, back have in an album. No, they, had, they were. Um, I think about three or four years after that, they put out a new one called "Songs from Another Dimension," which yeah. was a. It was like fifteen songs, and it was about seven songs too long. And before <laughs> that was their blues covers record, which I didn't even listen to. And before that was just push play, which is just. One of the worst songs, one of the worst albums I've ever heard. (laughs) I remember I bought it. I bought it on CD and I'm driving home from the store listening to it. And every song that would come on, I would end up skipping it going, I'll get to the next one. (laughs) And in a 20 minute drive, I finished the album because every song was bad. I I think that uh, a lot of bands nowadays, they just put out albums as an excuse for touring, you know, because that's where the money is, you know? Well, yeah. And the money's always been in touring. But now you've got to, you know, why would you go see Sticks again? And I've seen Sticks like five times. And it's like they come to town every year. And they put out an album a couple of years ago. I didn't think it was very good. It's like Aerosmith. They hadn't put out anything in a very long time because they just didn't feel like it. And after hearing what the album they did put out, I'm, I'm okay with them not having released anything in that long of a time. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't any good. And a lot of bands now, one, one of the things I noticed, I think it was the Ozzy Osbourne album scream was there's a, there's a trend now for these older bands to write songs that are their stage raps. And the moment Bruce Dickinson writes a song called Scream for Me, 
I'm gonna burn my I'm gonna burn my Iron Maiden records. <laughs> he hasn't done that, yeah. thankfully. I don't think he will at this point. Uh, well, let's hope. Well, I mean, there's <laughs> so many. You know, when you have a band that writes songs about movies or you know books, there's all kinds of movies and books that they can draw from. And so that, that's I, I think we're fine there. And I actually heard tale that they're going to be touring with Judas Priest and Testament next year. Maiden. Yep. I don't know if it's true, but I will definitely go if they come to town again. They, well, they only get them like every other tour. I think that, uh, you know, once the pandemic is over or at least more controlled, I think bands, they, they need to, uh, they need to improve the, their shows. And I, I remember that in 2020, there was what, there was going to be a, a tour with Motley Crue, Poison, and Death Leopard. And, you know, um, you can go see Maiden live, yeah, but what if in the same bill there's just Priest and Testament, as you're saying? I think after the pandemic, the uh, bands will have to get together in order to be more stronger and, you know, attract more audiences. I would agree with that. I, I think a, a big problem is what's going to happen is once this is all over and everybody decides to go back on tour, you're going to have 400 A-list bands touring all at once. So they're going to have to lower prices. Do you, you, you think that's a, a problem? It'll be a problem for the bands because there's only so much money to go around. Well, yeah, that's that's actually true. Imagine if Metallica, Iron Maiden... Motley not talking about you know giant bills let's say Iron Maiden Judas Priest Metallica Ozzy Osbourne because he's going back out Roger Waters he's going back out imagine you've got all these bands and you're going to get all of them in your city in the course of a year how many people have the five thousand dollars to go to all of them that they would have had they been spread out yeah that's true but at the same time people are are dying to go to concerts at least oh, here I agree. in Mexico. I'm not saying there won't be people at the shows. I'm just saying unless they they do the bigger bills like you're talking about or they lower ticket pricing, I think you're going to see a lot less people at the individual shows. But more people going to sh- but more tickets sold in general, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. Cuz yeah, I I I haven't been to a concert in over a year. And I miss it. <laughs> uh, I used to go to two a month and not being able to, you know, everybody being stuck in their house, we're all ready to just blow up and, and go crazy. And I also, I saw that Roger Waters announced um, he's doing the, this is not a drill tour again next year, which got canceled because of the pandemic. And he's still not coming to St. Louis. Oh, you're from St. Louis. All right. I am midway. I'm five hours south of Chicago and four hours east of Kansas City. Wow. Way south of everything that matters and way north of everything that matters. In this, I guess we're also about five hours outside of Memphis, too. But I mean, that's the Midwest. The Midwest is every city is five hours from another city, minimum. 
All right. But, you know, you said that you used to go to at least two concerts a month. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I imagine here in Cancun, we don't have concerts at all, you know? <laughs> so have you ever seen Iron Maiden? And and if so, where did you see them? No, I haven't seen them yet. You know, so I, I, I got uh, tickets for a concert back in 2013. Mm -hmm. I was, I think... I was 15 or 16 years old. I, I was going, tour. yeah, mm -hmm. they, they were touring with Slayer and, and Ghost, I think so. No, this was, this is a different tour that I went to, or I went to, okay. the, I went to the warm up because they, oh, they were okay. doing a big Latin American tour in 2013 and they, they were redoing, um, the seven son of the seven son. Yes. Yes. Tour. They were redoing seven son. Uh huh. And I saw that show Megadeth opened. And, oh, okay. Uh, that, I've lost count how many times I've seen Megadeth, to be honest with you. And I have never <laughs> gone to a Megadeth show. I've seen them open for like everything. Opening, yeah. yeah. Which okay, is so, so I had the tickets, you know, back in 2013. I was going with my dad. But, of course, every major concert here in Mexico, it's either in Mexico City or Guadalajara, or Monterrey. Mm -hmm. uh, so any of those three cities. So uh, we are very used to, you know, uh, Maiden's coming. You got to buy the tickets in Mexico City, but you also have to, um, to ha keep in mind that you're going to uh, spend money on the, on the plane tickets and the hotel. So... It's it's a a very different dynamic, you know. Yeah, I <laughs> for us, I understand that because that like the Roger Waters tour. I'm thinking about going to that. Tickets are going to be probably a hundred dollars just to walk in the door. And if they play in, if I go to Kansas City, Kansas City is a four hour drive. Well, I don't think I'm going to go see a three hour Roger Waters show and then drive back four hours across the state. So yeah, definitely getting definitely get a hotel room on that one. But how many how many times have you gone to Mexico City to see a show? Uh, to to see a show, I think I think it was only that Aerosmith concert because in the end, when I, I had the maiden tickets, mm -hmm. but we we were going through. A, uh, hard times, uh, so we we had to resell them because we gotcha. couldn't afford the plane tickets and the hotel. Oh, so you didn't drive the there? Moment. You fly there? Yeah, it's no. Uh, if I wanted to drive to Mexico City from Cancun, it would be like a twenty-four hour drive. I was going to ask that question next. Yeah, it's it's really really far. Um. So. Oh yeah, because you have to go all the way down. Because uh, yeah. Mexico City is about what? About about three or four hours outside of uh, uh, Monterey, right? No, I think it's uh, like a 10 to 12 hour drive. 12 hours. You know, tra travel distances here in Mexico are uh, very, very large distances because, you know, we, we have a territorial extension that's pretty, pretty big, but you know the cities are the big. There aren't many big cities, so the driving distances are very, very far. 
and you know it's sometimes it's it's more convenient to to just fly you know i yeah, don't think I that i don't think that mexico it's built for driving as i think the u.s are, it is built that way yeah in in the 50s the the president at the time decided they were going to make our interstates and the interstates are a, a great system up here that that's one of the best public works things we've ever done i think and so yeah it's it's easy to drive anywhere like from where i live i can get to almost anywhere within the in the united states within 24 hours of driving which that you're you're in a in a great geographical position you know yes and no <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh you know we're right in the middle of course and so we're actually just about straight north of where you're at but the thing is is when you get like if you ever look at a map of baseball teams or anything like that, you will see on the coasts all these dots. And yeah, then you get to the middle and you, not so many. Yeah, that, that's that's true. So that's because you know California has one sixth of the entire population of the United States, and so California, you know, bands will play four or five shows there, or they'll play a weekend at Los in Los Angeles. We we don't ever get like two night stands or anything like that. And we get, you know, when I'm looking at the tour itineraries for bands, nine times out of 10, they either go to St. Louis or Chicago and not both. Really? Yep. Okay. Chicago is, it's uh, far away from where you are? About five hours. It's about 300 miles north. So it's, okay. um, I, I mean, I, I've been there quite a few times, of course, but it's the, but also Chicago is, it's a much bigger city than where we are. Yeah. So it's, I don't, I don't like driving there. Yeah. Yeah. Honest. So I've never actually gone to a show up there. I was going to go to one, go see Ace Freely a number of years ago. And then we ended up getting tickets to see him. I got free tickets online from somebody to see him in Kansas city. And that was probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done. We, we drove to Kansas. I got off of work at 4.30. We got in the car. We drove the three and a half hours, four hours west to Kansas City, went to the show, got back in the car, drove home, and then I went to work the next day. But so, like at what time did you get back to, to St. Louis? Like 3 a.m.? And I had to be okay. seven thirty, so I got I slept but in a well, little bit. Was it worth it? <laughs> it was, except for the fact that he ended up coming to St. Louis two months later. Ah, oh, but he hadn't announced it. Right, it hadn't been announced yet. So, like on the, the oh. tour shirt that I got from that show, it doesn't it doesn't say St. Louis on it. So the the, the date I went to was North Kansas City. Okay. Yeah. But you know, it it was fun. It I I'd actually Ace Frehley is one of my absolute favorite musicians, even though the last few years haven't been great. But I had at that point in time, I had never seen him live, never. So being able to go finally see him play was really cool. And being and it was seeing him, and it was a cool venue. It was a casino, and the casinos have nice nice venues because because if if 
in America, we've got uh, a real conservative morality streak here that we haven't been able to shake from when we started. So if the con- if you're going to a concert at a casino, oh well, now it's okay to go to to go gamble and have a few beers because you're going to see a show. You're not going to gamble. So okay, <laughs> but we didn't gamble because we didn't have time. <laughs> uh but let's let's talk a little bit about uh about your band jet jaguar um what do you got coming up right now i know you just popped out a video tell us about that yeah we released it i think like a week ago um it's it's the from a song called no surrender and this song we actually got inspired by 80s films like uh karate kid and <laughs> that was my childhood, by the way. Karate Kid yeah. was my childhood. <laughs> I actually wore for a while uh, a Japanese Rising Sun bandana. Okay. <laughs> and so people used to call me the Karate Kid. Yeah, and, and it's coming back because of the Cobra Kai series. Love Cobra Kai. Yeah. Also, the, the vocalist, uh, Max, loves it. And I think that in a way we noticed that there was like this nostalgia wave coming back in series like you know Cobra Kai and mm-hmm. Stranger Things and also in some of uh some of the music you know so we kind of noticed that and we've always loved you know the pop culture of the 80s and I, and I think that the songs we were making for this record were, um, uh, they went really great together. You know, the, the themes that we wanted to, to uh, write about and also um, it seemed kind of nostalgic, but, you know, it's funny because we weren't even alive, uh, you know, in those years, but... The- I don't know. <laughs> the 80s were, I guess, about 30 years before your time. But when I was in the 80s, I was nostalgic for the 50s. So I watched, okay. like, Leave it to Beaver and My Three Sons and all the black and white 50s nostalgia programs. So I totally get it. And I also listened to a lot of 50s music when I could. That I, I don't do that anymore. But I did at the time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that um, then it, it's a thing, you know, maybe it's a thing, it's a normal thing to feel nostalgic of a time that you weren't even alive. Oh, completely. Yeah. In, in the 80s, well, because there's always things that are going to throw back, there's always going to be nostalgic pop culture, whether it's Cobra Kai or Stranger Things, like you said, when I was growing up, when I was that age there was happy days. Happy days was a show from the eighties that was written about the fifties. So it's yeah. the same, same kind of stuff. I, Cause it, it, I was not obviously the target market. I, I was not the person they were trying to get to watch that show, but I still watched the stupid thing. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I get it. And the eighties were, I, I will say this, everything you see in nostalgic about the eighties is a lie. It wasn't that cool. It, there was little bits of that. It wasn't like there, there was a, oh, there was an internet meme I saw about, you know, the eighties living room and it showed this technicolor crazy thing. 
but nobody had any living rooms like that. All of our living rooms were like brown, brown, and okay. everything was green. Like, and we all had green or yellow appliances. And I mean, it wasn't, it was, and not like fluorescent green, just like pea soup green or pea yellow. I mean, like the, the color of this cup, we had yeah, like yeah. stoves that color. And I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Yeah, I think that uh, because of the internet, we can now uh, realize those kinds of things, right? The, but, the internet definitely changed a lot. Yeah, and, I think. I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I'm interrupting. <laughs> I should stop. No, 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 don't worry. Don't worry, go ahead. He's at my feet and I don't like it. This is my cat, Wicket. Uh, I, I also, my, my cat is, is here. <laughs> oh, we have one. We have one that looks like that, but silver. We got yeah. it. At a, uh, we got a silver, a silver tabby. Uh, this one, though, Wicket is the size of a small truck. Okay. And he was born under my bed. He's I pretty big. I didn't know his mom was pregnant. Okay, so yeah. it was a, like a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I woke up one morning to meow, 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 and there were like eight cats looking at me. Like I didn't have that many yesterday. Uh, but he the thing about Wicked is because he's he's so big and he doesn't realize it so that's why I had to move him he was sitting on my feet <laughs> but uh, when when are you going to have an album coming out well uh, the album we released last, last year oh okay uh, yeah but it was our debut actually it's our, our first record and It came out, I think, in July last year. Okay. But we're already we're already writing new songs. We began uh, writing in January, and um, the idea it's it's to record these new songs uh, once we schedule our next European tour because oh, wow. we want we want to record it um, in Europe. Um, we hope to work with a European producer and, you know, we're, we're really focusing on the European market at the moment. Well, how big, I mean, like my, my best, my best friend from Mexico, my best Mexican friend, um, is from, uh, Juarez and he was a big metal guy, loved Iron Maiden, loved all that stuff. How how big is the the potential fan base down there? It's really um, there are tons of metalheads. I mean, thousands of metalheads here in Mexico, but they uh, they don't really pay attention for national bands, you know. Oh, they, the international bands. Yeah, that that's what happens, and. You know, every time there's a big metal concert anywhere in Mexico, it's because there's an international band coming okay. or, you know, it's a big festival, but um, it doesn't happen that way. And it never has happened that way for a national metal band in Mexico, you know. So we're, we, we're kind of like, uh, we came to realize that, that if we stayed here, 
and playing the same venues for the next, you know, 10 years, we're not going anywhere. So our goal right now is to, to focus more on the international market. You know, we want to we wanna get big in Europe, maybe the States someday. And I, we, we see it as a domino effect. I think that well, if, if you we get can, big on the international stage, then people in Mexico will pay more attention. Yeah, that's right. Because unfortunately, that that's the way it is, and we can't ignore that. But we can. Um, you can work. You can we, work around the system. Yeah, exactly. Then no, that makes perfect sense. If you know, if it, it's like, I don't have a good analogy, but no, that makes that makes really good sense. But have you? You said you had toured Europe before. Yeah, back in twenty seventeen. Tell me about that. Yeah, we got the opportunity to represent Mexico in the uh, backhand medal battle in Germany. And we actually won the the contest, the competition. And it's the it was the first time that a uh, Mexican band ever won the the competition. So we received, you know, like um a considerable amount of uh, press attention and we got to uh, book a tour after back in um, that same month we did like uh, I think 10, 10 gigs in Germany, in Netherlands Belgium, Poland um, you know mostly Central and Eastern Europe Right. and after that we got back to Mexico and we got invited to a lot of festivals here. And uh, I think it was 2019. We decided to record the the studio album. It was released last year. But yeah, we, we actually released it under a German label called Pride and Joy Music. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a you know a small label, but I think that we're all labels, uh, all labels now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think so, but but um, we're uh, trying to get there to the European market, you know, step by step, uh, little by little. I mean, but when, but yeah, real quick before I forget, I want to say this, even though it's it's silly. When you know you say it's a small label, the internet has changed the entire world for what a label is and what a label can be. Metallica's first record label was started by a guy from a record store, and now. There are places, the record stores pressing albums that are being sold all over the world. It's a whole, it, it's a whole different sea change. It's yeah, it, totally. It used to be, you know, you had several different levels of labels, and now you don't. You have small and you have ginormous. Yeah, but at the same time, well, uh, I. I I, I did my research, obviously, when, when we were looking for a label. And I realized that, uh, yeah, there are maybe small labels. And then there are the medium-sized labels, you know, like uh, Napalm Records and Frontier Records. Right. I'm talking about labels that uh, have, you know, like Quiet Riot signed or Journey signed or Toto signed. Right. Uh, I think that's the kind of label that we we aim 
to to sign for maybe our second or third record. For and me, you know, there's those are big labels. Yeah, you know, but because those but are the they, labels that everybody knows. Yeah, but even those aren't major labels. You know, they're not Electra, or they're not Electra. They're not Atlantic. But I mean, I really don't think you even need that anymore. But you know, I also I also don't do it, so my opinion is you know pointless. No, I, I no, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I've got no experience. I've got a completely ignorant opinion. I just know, <laughs> you know, I listen to a lot of people who don't have labels that are mm-hmm. on labels run out of the back of a record store and you know i can i can mail order their stuff or maybe it'll even be in a store sometimes not often but i mean that's that's the one thing the internet has really ruined is the record store experience for me because it's because of the vast i i buy vinyl i mean that's i don't know if you can see behind me but over there that's that's my wall and a lot of what I buy is limited to 100, limited to 300. So you're not going to find that just in a store. So going to record stores has become just finding old stuff. Yeah. That's the one thing, that, that's the one thing I'll say that, that's negative. But if a band gets a, a viral hit, that can, set, it, that can actually set somebody up for life. Yeah, but I know... Uh... You know what's the the way to go viral in 2021 to you know to people dance to your music on TikTok you know <laughs> so no I know I I don't know how to do it if I knew how to do it I would be a millionaire and I would be living in Cancun probably <laughs> but, or no no I take that back I like I think I like Puerto Vallarta better than Cancun but that's neither here nor there we uh, like, but you. You say that because you haven't been to Cancun. I have, I, I have not been really to Cancun, no. But I will say I definitely like Puerto Vallarta better than Playa del Carmen. That, okay, yeah. The first time I went to Playa was one of the greatest experiences of my life. It was actually the first time I had ever left the country. And that was before it had really changed. Like we were there for a week about. And... We didn't even find anything remotely American in Playa for four days. Okay. Like we didn't see the McDonald's or the Gringo Jones or anything for four days. So you were feeling like uh, homesick? No, I was thrilled that we didn't see anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. Think I can go to Gringo Jones and McDonald's anywhere. Although, let me say, we don't have that sweet jalapeno sauce that you guys have down there. <laughs> I, I put that on my McChickens when I was down there. It was great. But, you know, we, we, we couldn't find anywhere where we weren't the only Americans. And that was what okay. I loved. So, you know, we went to these little taco stands where they didn't speak any English. And the workers there were like, why are you here? Kind of thing. It's like, this is not your place. Go to your place. But then I started speaking Spanish. And I was in much better practice than I am right now. I'll be honest. But... <laughs> And that, uh, that really what liked. year, and what year was that? The first time I went was in 2010, January of 2010. Okay. And then, uh, I went, we went again in 2012 and then we went, we went to, uh, the, to Puerto Vallarta in 20, in December, 2019. It was one of the last things we did before the pandemic started. 
uh, we okay. went there for our 10th anniversary, my wife and I. And oh, that's great. Loved it. And there it was, it wasn't, I mean, there, there obviously was an element of Americans stuff to make Americans more comfortable to go spend money there. But once you got out of like the hotel ring, it wasn't, it was all gone. And that's what I really like. But I, okay. also, but I also speak Spanish, so it makes yeah. it simple. It makes it easier for me. But that's that's okay. what I like to see when I go somewhere else. I don't want to go to McDonald's or, although if I when I get to Japan, I probably will go to Kentucky Fried Chicken because they love it so much, and I want to see if Japanese Kentucky Fried Chicken is different. But other than that, that that would probably be it. It, it it's kind of weird, I think, from your perspective to. Uh, that you travel to other countries and that somehow you'll see little pieces, um, you know, like a restaurant that that'll remind you of your home. Because, I, you know, me as a Mexican, when I went to our first European tour, mm -hmm. I, you know, it was like uh, a complete new world. You know, we haven't... Yeah, it was completely different. Like, uh, like I was entering a new reality. See, uh, and that's that's what I want when I go to other countries. Like yeah. when we we went to Bermuda a few years ago, and Bermuda was a whole other world. I didn't see anything remotely American there. It was all like English and Bermuda, English and Bermudian mixed together. They've got a, a couple of different cultures there that have lived there for hundreds of years, and that was really cool. That was neat. And it's when I go somewhere, when I've been somewhere and I see the American stuff, when I go to Canada and I see McDonald's or Subway and I just get disappointed. Yeah. Cause I want, I want that country's experience. Why? If, if I just wanted to go to McDonald's, I don't got to go to Mexico for that. I can go down the street. Yeah, and sure. In three streets over. Cause I mean, there's a McDonald's everywhere up here. <laughs> But, But also here, also here in, in Cancun, there are, you know, like a lot of McDonald's everywhere. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that. And I will admit, and I'm sad to admit this, but I did go to Starbucks while I was in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> but I, and I hate Starbucks. So my wife wanted, okay. to, she wanted to get, I it. can see why, I can see why you but hate I, I don't. I don't go to Starbucks in America. I got a Starbucks down the street from my house. I don't go there. I've never been there. <laughs> Place opened up and created a traffic jam permanently. I hate it. <laughs> well, it's, whenever a Starbucks opens up here, everybody thinks that that Starbucks has been there forever. So it's like, oh, there's my local coffee shop. I've been going there since 1992. No, you have not. You don't, you just, where, have you, where were you getting coffee before this place showed up? Go there. <laughs> They don't remember anymore. No, they don't. And we've got like four or five great local coffee places, but they don't have a drive-thru. So, and Starbucks coffee is crap. I will say it. It tastes like socks. <laughs> I I don't like it either. It, it, you know, do, you, do you think that a Starbucks, it's, uh, yeah, I'm trying to make an analogy here, that Starbucks is the equivalent of the, of, of how the internet is killing the record Completely. Industry. Completely. Because <laughs> when, like, America, you know, we, we've got 50 states, right? And if you look at the way our country was formed, we've got about eight or nine states that were part of Mexico at one time. We've got uh, 
10 states that were part of France. We've got 13 that were part of England. We've got five that were German. And 50 years ago, if you went to Wisconsin, people were still speaking German. 20 years ago, if you went down to Louisiana, people, most people still spoke French. But now you go there, everybody speaks, and the television also did this too. We're losing our American accents. Because as television gets, as television has become more and more pervasive, the, the standard American accent is mine. It's, it's the Midwestern, not Southern, not Northern, not West, not East, the, the very bland accent, which I believe I have personally. I don't have, I don't have an interesting accent. My Spanish accent is interesting, but that's neither here nor there. And now everybody talks that way when you go there, like, um, a friend of mine on uh, an internet friend of mine, he started doing YouTube videos a while ago and he's got a really thick Boston accent. I'm like, Oh, I didn't expect you to have that. Cause even though he lives in Boston, we all grow up watching television and that's where we learn to speak now. And then we were in, we, we took a road trip to DC a few years ago and we're going, we're stopping in these tiny little towns in the middle of Ohio, in Virginia, in Kentucky. And what do I, where did we get breakfast? Hardee's. Because that's the only place to go. Well, we needed to stop by, there's a hardware store. Oh, look, it's true value. It's the same hardware stores we have everywhere. America is losing, the states of America and the, the cities of America are losing their individuality because it's being completely homogenized. And yes, that's, that's what Starbucks is. Starbucks comes in, kills your little local coffee houses. And then we've got these fancy, disgusting cappuccinos that nobody, I don't believe anybody likes them. I don't believe anybody likes them. I think that in the 90s, Starbucks was a status symbol. Oh, you're paying $4 for coffee. Sorry, I, that, I yeah. went on a rant there. No, no, no. I, I think it was, I think it's really interesting to, to think that how, you know, corporations and television are, uh, what was the word? Homogenizing? Homogenizing. Homogenizing everything. And and I can see uh, why that frustrates you because even though you're not leaving, you're not leaving, uh, you know, the States, but if you uh, go to another uh, state, like you said, Kentucky or Virginia, you're expecting to see some of the essence of the of that place right exactly. whether it's exactly. whether it's in their accent or uh their businesses or the way they do things and i think it's it's sad you know i haven't really thought of that because that but really doesn't it's not, happen it's not just america though it's like i go to mexico and there's starbucks i can't even leave the damn country and get away from starbucks <laughs> You know, but but in a in a way, I think it's happening here too, but maybe not as evident as it may happen, you know, in the states. Because I've been uh, here in Mexico. If you go from state to state, you still get to see a lot of cultural, uh, you know, differences, mm -hmm. and also the the accents are. We have tons of accents here in Mexico, you know. Uh, 
and, and you know, in there are even internet memes making fun, uh, maybe a states making fun of another state about <laughs> the way they do things. You know, uh, I think that that's that's part of you know the identity of your country, but also the identity of of the the state and the city you live in. You know, right. I think and that's everywhere, beautiful. Everywhere is supposed to be a little bit different. Yeah, because we're you know we're all different we all have different experiences st louis is and and we're even losing this st louis is a red brick town which probably makes no sense to anybody outside of st louis but when we switched from wood to like bricks there was a quarry full of red clay and that's where all the bricks came from that's how they built that's how they built our houses so like the house i live in is over a hundred years old. It's a red, it's made of red bricks. And now that we're even losing that because the new houses aren't even brick anymore. It's, it's the homogenization. It's, we're just, that's how they do it in California. And it's just moving West and, or moving East. And I don't know if it actually is California, if that's where it, where it started, but I mean, the, the point, the point's still good. And yeah. It's, what, what's what's scary is to think what will be in you know 20 years 30 years from now i think that um in a way we're seeing the beginning of that but i think that will only uh get stronger and stronger as the years go by you know there's good and bad in all of it but i don't have to like it and yeah that was what really bothered me. Like, you know, when I was telling you about the, the first time we went to Playa, you know, it was great because it was all Mexican. We, you know, we didn't find anything uniquely American for a long time. And then the next time I went there, I found more sushi stands and sunglass huts than taco shops. I couldn't get a damn taco. I could get sushi, but I couldn't get a taco. Well, I don't go to Mexico to get sushi. Although when I was and- in Mexico last time I did get sushi. And you said that uh, the last time you were you went here to Playa, it was in 2012. 2012, yeah. No, I. It's only that that in that in that way, it's only getting worse. There are more Starbucks. There are more. That's why we didn't. That's why we didn't go back. That's why we went yeah. to the other side. It's like okay. There's even a there's even a Forever 21 now. Oh. You know, H&M, those kinds of stores. I don't doubt it. And when you start getting five below, start running. But the the next time we come down to Mexico, I'm actually going to have to bring my daughter, which I don't want to. I mean, I do and I don't. But the next time we go down, we're going to go back to, uh, we're going to go to Guadalajara, uh, more inside, not Puerto, not Puerto Vallarta, because I'm going to go to a Shivas game. Okay. And I call them <laughs> Shivas and not Chivas. Because of my friend from uh, Chihuahua, my friend from Warren. Ah, uh, yeah. Because, uh, and he taught me why uh, the name Chavez existed, because I never understood that. And I found out that the people in that state do the sh sound instead of chuff. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we were in Mexico the first time, I was laughing when you were talking about the dialects and stuff, because we were, we took a tour of Chichen Itza, which was one of the coolest and weirdest things I have ever done simultaneously. Because I remember going through a little turnstile and seeing these trees and looking to my right, like, oh, wow, look, a pyramid. That was just so 
odd that yeah. these to have those two things connected. But while we were on the, because it was a three-hour drive from Cancun on the bus to Chichen Itza. Yeah. And so the tour guides, of course, were trying to do their best to entertain us and do their best to make some money. And they had the one that spoke English and the one that didn't. And, but we had been there for long enough that I wasn't thinking in English or Spanish anymore. I was just understanding whatever it was. But the, the, the main guy gets up and he does this whole act about Spanish dialects. And I just started cracking up because I knew what they meant. You know, he's doing Cuban and Puerto Rican and Castilian and Mexican. And my wife looks at me like, what's what? I don't get it. I'm like, that's because you don't know what a theta is. If you knew what a theta was, this would be hilarious. But, <laughs> and I mean, that, and then he also could pick out like when he was looking at the, you know, the white people, he points at one guy and he goes, you're, you're Canadian, aren't you? He goes, yeah, I'm from Manitoba. How'd you know, eh? He's like, you're wearing shorts and your legs are too white. You're definitely Canadian. Every Canadian comes down <laughs> like that. But the, the second time we were there, we were at the resort and my wife convinced me to take part in the soccer ball kicking competition at the pool. And the lady running, it looks at me and she goes, it's our last day. She looks at me and she goes, how long have you been here? I'm like, um, she's like, is this your first day? I'm like, no, about five, six days. She just looks at me. How are you still so white? <laughs> but I'm very, I'm very pale, very fair skin. So I burn, I don't tan. Um, okay. That took a weird turn. Okay, let's stop that. Um, <laughs> what I want to talk a little bit about uh, your name, Jet Jaguar, and I'm sure you have gotten many, many questions about that over the years. But why did you choose that robot for your name? Well, it's a kind of a funny story because our first name we were considering uh, Rollerblade. <laughs> but you are better yeah totally so uh the our ex-guitarist uh diego mm-hmm. he used to play this godzilla video game in was which it, uh was it on the was it on the destroy all monsters melee i i don't really know he, he's the one, the one who, okay he's the one who played it so i don't know i think it, it was he had it on the original xbox Okay. Yeah, that's probably. Yeah, that was that's destroy all monsters melee. Yeah. Okay. Like, probably like it is. Player and uh, you can have like a four player death match. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you don't that know. Sounds, okay. That sounds like fun, but I I actually never played it. You know. So, My daughter and I played it for a, a couple of years. Oh, that, that's cool. But so uh, Diego came up with the with the name, and you know he said. You know, I used to play this video game as a as a kid, and it had this character named Jet Jaguar, and I I remember that I immediately loved the name. I I didn't even know what the robot looked like, or you know, <laughs> even the story of. But I I I immediately loved the the name because it sounded something like like uh you know, very classic mm-hmm. and very, it, very sounds, heavy metal, you know? It does sound, it sounds very much like a 50, it sounds like a, a robot named in the 50s, but it is <laughs> the 50s. But just, I, 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 it doesn't matter, but in the movie, and I, I don't know why they did it this way, but in the English version of the movies, they pronounced it Jet Jaguar. 
Okay. They, they, they actually English pronunciation. I've I've heard a couple of people pronounce it like that. Actually, <laughs> I've also heard Jet Jagger. I've heard that. As okay. Well. Um, I but I you're the only person I've ever heard here say it Jet Jaguar, which is how I would Jaguar. say it if I hadn't heard all these other things. Um, okay, okay. I ask you about that because I love Godzilla flicks. I grew up watching Godzilla flicks. My email address is a Godzilla monster. It is Batra. All of my online like I used to play. Uh, a video game that was also on the Xbox called Fantasy Star Online. All of my characters okay. were named. I had a character named Jet Jaguar. And, That's cool. Uh, Batra and Mothra and Rodan. I never used Godzilla because that that just seems silly. You can't do that. That's like yeah, that's yeah. like wearing ninety nine if you play hockey and taking Wayne Gretzky's number. You don't do that. So <laughs> it was never Godzilla, but it was always you know the the lesser known ones. And Jet yeah, Jaguar yeah. is definitely lesser known. Uh, I, I think that's awesome. And tomorrow night, my family and I, we are going to go see Godzilla versus King Kong at a drive-in. So, oh, cool. I hope. Are you excited about I the, am. the movie? I'm, I'm very excited, but I'm very nervous because Americans have not done well with Godzilla movies, historically speaking. Okay. Because we try to turn them into a thing that they're not, you know? Yeah. A Godzilla movie is a camp, ridiculous joke of a movie, and that's why it's fun. Okay, but then in the God, then the American ones, they want to have a story and they want to have a hero. Not realizing in Japan, the story is the monster. Yeah, like uh, like like they are taking their themselves very seriously, aren't they? Right. Well, in in Japan. In the the movies are they have a serious bent, but they don't tell it seriously because due to uh, things like uh, the nuclear bombs that were dropped on them and all their volcanoes and typhoons and tidal waves and earthquakes and all the natural <laughs> disasters there. If you get into a lot of Japanese culture and pop culture, a lot there's a lot of post apocalyptic stuff and a lot because of that's how they've grown up that is how yeah. the country has grown up that's always been you know even now they don't have thick walls because an earthquake if they have thick walls when an earthquake comes everybody will die so godzilla is actually a response to the nuclear bomb and then we get it and we just it's they try to tell the story without the symbolism involved but yeah yeah Maybe the fourth time is the charm. I don't know. I'll uh, you can ask me tomorrow, or you can ask me on Saturday, and I'll, I'll tell you. But I'm I'm hoping. I will say the the original Godzilla versus King Kong movie was pretty terrible, so they don't have a high bar to jump over this one. And they well, prob- let's. There probably won't be giving any cigarettes to children in this one either, like they did in that other one. But that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> But I hope I wanna, that you enjoy it. I hope I enjoy it. And the fact that we're going to a drive-in, the fact that my daughter has never been to a drive-in, that'll make it worthwhile. That'll that'll be fun. But I'm expecting the movie to be bad. So I can only, I, if I expect it to be bad, I'll either come home being right or being surprised. Yeah. So either way, I'm a winner, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the best mentality to, to go 
but when uh, you watch it, <laughs> we we have gone on for a while here, and I know people are getting sick of my voice because I'm irritating. But I want to, Jorge. I want to thank you very much for doing this with me tonight. Uh, I, um, where can people check out the new video? Uh, it's up in YouTube at our labels channel. It's called uh, Jit Jaguar No Surrender. So go check it out. It's out now. That is awesome. And I will say uh, thank you everybody for listening. If you could uh, subscribe and review the show. And again, Jorge, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Nick. Have a great evening. You too.